Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Jared W., Luke A., and Craig S. We have two guests on the program today introducing a gold exploration company, Mr. Bruce Smith, President and CEO, and Mr. Simon Ridgeway, Executive Chairman, are on the program representing Radius Gold, a gold and silver exploration junior focused on exploration work in Guatemala and Mexico. Radius Gold is part of the gold group of companies. Radius Gold is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol RDU, as well as on the US OTC markets under the symbol RDUFF. Bruce, Simon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Andrew. Nice. Thanks for having us on. Good to be here to talk about Radius. Same from me. Thank you, Andrew. Good to be here again. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Appreciate that. Simon, you've been on the program before, of course, but Bruce, you are probably new to most of our audience. So how about we just kick it off here with just getting your background and experience in the junior natural resource sector? Yeah, I'm a geologist, Andrew. I've been doing gold multi-commodity exploration globally for 35 years. You know, I might be new to your program because most of my time I spend in the field. Most of the time I'm a technical geologist looking for uh, deposits and I've worked all over the world in Africa, Australia, New Zealand, um, and a lot through North and South and Central uh, Americas in the last 20, 25 years. So my focus is trying to find mines. That's absolutely a good focus, Bruce. How about Simon, why don't we start off here just with getting your position on the state of the junior exploration segment of this market, Simon, what are your thoughts on sentiment for the juniors? Where do you think we are in the cycle here? And how do you see this market shaping up, say over the next year or so? Well, I've been expecting the market to shape up a little better for the last 12 months and it really is it's just getting a little worse on a month by month basis. So predictions are pretty hard for any market, but this is probably the longest bear market for the, you know, that I've seen in the gold sector, or just a, just there's kind of a complete lack of interest at the moment. Keeping a company's finance, you have to try to look for those windows, but the windows are getting shorter. You know, I'll take, you take a look at the, the chaos in the world and you would think that the, the things would have to change and that gold would show some strength in, in the near future. Um, but as long as the dollar stays strong, and as long as interest rates stay high as they are, then I think gold will continue to languish. In the gold group, we have three companies and they're all reasonably well financed for now, uh, obviously depending on the amount of drilling we're doing in each company. But uh, for the moment, we're good for the next 12 months. So hopefully sometime in the next, uh, in that period, we'll see a strengthening in the gold market or one of those windows where we can finance again with, with good results from the programs we're doing. And I appreciate your thoughts on that. And Bruce, I just want to ask you anything to add there on this, because, you know, you're obviously in a different segment here a little bit on the exploration side, focused in the field. I'm sure you have an opinion on gold at this point. And, you know, just talk about gold and your thoughts of just briefly how you view this market. I tend to think about the gold. I don't watch the gold market every day. A lot of people have an opinion of when it's going up and when it's going down, but it's something that I can't control. So I don't spend much time worrying about it. What I worry about is finding a deposit because even in a bad market, a good deposit is going to make you money. So gold's a thousand, nearly $2,000 a teaspoonful. It doesn't matter when we find it. We hope that when we make discoveries that we time it with a rising market. But if you make a good discovery, it doesn't matter what the market's doing, you'll get good appreciation. So I tend to work on what I can control and not worry about what I can't control. And well said there, Bruce. I think that's a good point to bring across there, that the exploration sector can act on its own if things work out in the field and good discovery comes about. So appreciate the comments there. Well, let's get into Radius, and I think to start things off here, how about we go right to some recent news on some positive sampling work 
and results coming out of the Motagua Norte project in Guatemala. Bruce, do you want to kick that off? Yeah, that's a grassroots discovery. You'll notice that Radius is a company that has uh, multiple projects in several countries, and they're all grassroots discoveries that our team has made. Nothing that we're working on has really been worked on by a company before. And this Matawa Norte in Guatemala is the same. As far as we know, nobody has ever worked on it. And in fact, there's not even any local workings on it. One of our prospecting geologists has made a pretty extraordinary discovery, really. The, the grades coming out of Guatemala are, are unbelievable. Now, it's early days, so it's prospecting. We've published some chip channel samples. We don't know the real width of the mineralized zones because it's subcropping and outcropping and float. But we've initially sampled, you know, 30 or 40 prospecting samples and the grades were unbelievable we're getting hundreds of grams you know i went there on my first trip and it was the first time i've ever been to a property where i had to say well i don't have time to see everything but let's just see all the prospecting samples that graded above 50 grams gold so i went and looked at all of them and they're pretty phenomenal samples we had samples up to 600 grams of gold across a zone of about 250 by 500 meters, lots of initial grab samples. And we wondered whether, you know, our geologist, Rodrigo, who did the prospecting, was being selective, where he was just picking up the samples with, you know, visible gold, because there's a lot of visible gold there. And uh, we had our doubts, and Rodrigo was determined that no way, he wasn't high grading. He said, you know, I'm just picking up the rocks that look good and and I'm not high grading so he said about doing these channel samples uh, or continuous chip samples where he cut lines through the bush it's fairly thick bush there's not much outcrop and he sampled two meter you know every two meters he took a sample of what he's standing on top of and the results were you know extraordinary for gold 34 meters at 42 grams gold 24 meters at 54 grams gold and 10 meters at 95. So we know that we're getting very high grade gold across a large area. We know that there's more than one structure. We know that the structures are not one or two meters wide, that they're wider than that. But at the moment, it's float, outcrop, boulders, subcrop, and it's mixed and there's not good outcrop. The only way we're going to define it is uh, by drilling and trenching and we're about to move to that step we're permitting at the moment but the gold discovery is very high grade and the other interesting thing about it is it's it's a type of system guatemala is why are we in guatemala is is a good question we're we're there because there's world-class discoveries to be made the escobal mine is one of the largest primary silver deposits in the world and it's one of the highest grade and, and we were there looking for that style of deposit Cerro Blanco as well was originally you know one million ounces at 10 grams very high grade and those are epithermal classic deposits but this thing we've found at Matawa Norte is what we would call an orogenic deposit similar to you know the Californian gold belt or you know Morantau and Uzbekistan and Russia and deposits in New Zealand and to a certain extent the Timmins as well in Canada they're orogenic deposits they can be very high grade that style of deposit is actually unknown in Guatemala we're the first ones to find something like that very interesting I could go on for an hour about just the geology and why I think it's good but these deposits tend to be a lot in quartz veins but in Guatemala we're seeing the the gold within the host schist right I went on my tour around looking at where all the high grade was one of the things I noticed was that there were a lot of samples that you know graded above 50 grams of gold that were sitting in the you know altered schist not in the quartz veins and so that gives me hope that we're going to get some really good wits, that it's not just the veins, that it's the wall rock too, and the grades are extraordinary. You don't have to find many tons of that sort of grade to build a big deposit. These kind of deposits go to great depth generally, you're not like epithermal deposits where you've got a you know, limited two or 300 meter vertical. With these orogenic deposits can go to great depth, so not just, um, not just yep. a long strike, but good, good depth potential also. 
Okay. So I want to stay on this for a moment, guys, because appreciate the insights and what's happening here. Simon, I guess I'll come back to you and just ask you this. Talk about the structure of this project because it's with a sister company, Volcanic. With these results that you guys are seeing on the sampling, I'm assuming the focus is going to change here and really center around these results to follow up. Simon, just talk about that and then also the structure of this project with uh, the sister company. Yeah, so uh, basically, Radius initially staked a lot of ground in Guatemala following that we discovered, we've made a number of discoveries in the country over the years. I've been kind of dedicated to Guatemala off and off, off and on for 20 years as the politics has changed. And we've, it's, the geology is, is fantastic and yet it's very underexplored still. So initially when I started Volcanic, about four years ago, the politics in the country changed and the government that came in was pro-mining and uh, that's why they got voted in. People want employment in the country. So I, I, you know, rather than Radius, who had ground in the country in Guatemala, had applications and concessions, was busy in, in Mexico. Bruce had made a number of discoveries there. So rather than dilute Radius to step into another country, we created this sister company, Volcanic, which had the option to run into uh, Radius's granted concessions, uh, the Holly property, which we'll talk about briefly as well, and the Banderas property by spending 7 million US over a four year period to run into 60% of the projects. And also with that joint venture, there was a, a volcanic had an option to look at Radius's applications in the country. Radius had a number of applications, which the Motaguanote part was part of that land position. So Volcanic had the right to look at other opportunities in the country, as well as that initial earning of 7 million. So initially we started working on the Holly property. We've, we've drilled off a very attractive deposit at Holly. It's got about 400,000 ounces at nine grams that sits, um, you know, about 60 kilometers from a mine that is going to get built sometime in the near future, the um, Cerro Blanco mine. So that deposit was a good discovery by Volcanic. And then we began to look at Radius's other prospects in the country, other applications, you know, Rodrigo made this discovery. About a year ago, was maybe a little more than that, we made the initial find of quartz float with gold in, on, in the Metagonote zone. And since then, we've, there's been a, you know, a gradual focus on that area. Obviously, we're still very focused on the holly and that discovery we've made there. But as the results of Montaguanote came in, it's obviously got more and more of our attention. And then we had to push to get the concession granted. It's a very long process in Guatemala, but we were successful in getting that done. And I think it was about a month ago, we got the concession, the Miller One uh, discovery, the Cirillo One concession granted. So we were able to get to work and do a little more systematic work. And that's when we generated these trench results that have come up recently. So, you know, we've, the Holly property is still the leading property in the country as it's got a resource on it of 400,000 ounces at nine grams. But for the next while, we'll be focused on getting a drill permit for the Cerullo One concession and putting some drill holes into the Miller target. I think it's a very exciting target. I just can't imagine we're not going to see this these veins go to depth because there's just so much gold there and it's so consistent. The company is well financed. We have about 4 million in the treasury from money that I raised about three and a half years ago. It's been a slow burn. We raised 13 million. Right now we're down to about, like I said, about 4 million. So we have enough for the drill program. What we did do is recently, we had a, another project in the company that, on that joint venture with wages called the Banderas property. We could never, never really access that property to spend money on it. So we called the force majeure on that and, and Radius and, you know, the boards of both companies agreed that we would switch the, from drop the Banderas property back to Radius again. And we would substitute the Mataguanote belt for the Banderas property. So that 7 million earning is now for the Holly and the, and the Mataguanote properties. I want to point out on that subject that this is a belt of about 25 kilometers. It's a Schistos belt that's trapped between a number of thrust faults in the Matagua North Suture Zone. Maybe Bruce could touch on that and explain how that Schistos belt came about and what the expression along that belt means to us, Bruce, if you could, if you could take over on that. Yeah, well, there's that Matagua North fault is plate boundary. And if you take a look at Google Earth or something like that, you can see it ripping right out from Cuba across, you know, the ocean floor and it hits Guatemala. It displaces the coast and basically 
rips the, the right through the country out the other side on to the west coast so it's a it's a plate boundary it's a you know a massive fault that would penetrate you know right through the through the crust of the earth and we're looking at a part of it just a little part of it on the surface where we're seeing these orogenic systems and they're hosted in Grinch's fasces and Grinch's fasces metamorphic fasces it tells you that you know they've been thrust up through that fault you know they're forming down deep and they're thrust up to the surface and we see them at surface but through our prospecting and, and sampling we have seen this gold system across a very very broad area we haven't talked about that much because you know we've got more applications in place and we're working on getting those granted but we're certainly seeing a lot more gold than we are just at the miller zone that we've announced today so there'll be more discoveries come in future um, that's for sure and we have a, a large package of applications that we're going to get granted bit by bit we we just got the first one granted on the main high-grade target. So Miller target, we want to get that ready for drilling. It's the place where we've seen the most, you know, extraordinary gold numbers. You know, if you take a look at that map that we put out on the website, just reading off at 125 grams, 130, 180, 260, 170, you know, 690 grams gold. It's it's pretty phenomenal, but. That's really just one, that's the richest part of the zone, but we're picking up visible gold in a lot of other places as well. Within that belt, it's a big system. We've got a lot of applications. We're just working away quietly on those at the moment. We're the only one there. We've got it mostly covered. Um, so there'll be more discoveries come in future. We're just moving things, permitting takes time. So we're busy permitting the drilling now. Simon probably has an opinion, but told by our local geologists and staff that couple of months we should hopefully have the drill permit yeah four to six weeks we should have i mean you know we, it, that's that's uh, the time it's taken us previously the government's in a little bit of chaos at the moment and you know there, there was some new elections a new president and a new party got voted in about a, a, a month and a half ago and you know the, like like in many places in the world now like even in the usa the, the election is over but people are not happy with the results so there's there's some conflict in the country about whether the results were fair or not and thing to do in every country unfortunately the other main thing to note about Matawa Norte is Guatemala is a densely populated country right where you have a lot of population many different communities impacting your projects it's always hard to get consensus yeah and that doesn't matter where you are in the world if you've got lots of population or nearby it's always difficult but Matawa Norte very few people live on on that particular piece of ground it's steep nasty dry hot covered in cactuses nobody grows much a few cattle on top of miller prospect itself nobody actually lives there it's only a couple of landowners, and the ground is really tough you know you can't really grow crops on it you can't really do much so in that respect it's ideal it's a lot better place than any of the other projects in the country in terms of population we know that there is a mining culture there not that they've ever mined gold or anything but they mine for fertilizers there there's quite a few open pits for serpentine so you know communities are, are used to mining there's not many people it's arid so it's in terms of guatemala it's an ideal place to work guys i appreciate all that information lots of stuff to chew on here so the audience should look at uh, not only Radius because of their ownership of the projects here in Guatemala, but also Volcanic. Gold Mines is the other company that they want to pay attention to as well. Bruce, I'll come back to you and, and Simon with any other comment. Let's stay on Guatemala, and then I want to switch over to cap structure of the company and also talk some of the other stuff happening in Mexico. But Bruce, any other points, plans, other comments you want to make on Guatemala? And then I'll couple this with just your guys' comfort level. It appears you guys are quite comfortable from an exploration standpoint, dealing and working in Guatemala. Is that correct? Yeah, I've been coming and going for Guatemala for 20 years. I was married there 20-something years ago. Um, so I like the country. I understand it. It has its challenges, but where in the world do you go and get the sort of results we're getting? You know, chip channels that surface. 34 meters at 40 grams you don't find that in many places so it's that sort of compelling geology that it, that overrides you know from my point of view 
uh, mitigates some of the risks of working in a more difficult country. But we understand it's a good place. It's a 60-40 joint venture with a friendly company. Um, so, you know, Radius retains 40%, but Volcanic spending the money. So from Radius's point of view, we're happy. They take it forward. They work on it. We, our team's been there for more than 20 years. They know what they're doing. So um, from Radius's point of view, we're really happy. It's a great discovery, and Volcanic's going to drill it for us. Geologists have been working with me for a long time. I'm from Guatemala. You know, they've worked in other countries for me. But they're they're very happy. They were very happy to go back home and start working there again four years ago when we returned. So you know, the, I've got a lot of Guatemalan geologists working on the ground, and they're you know we take the political risk. It's less it's mitigated by the exploration upside, as Bruce said. Bruce, let's just talk capital structure, and then we'll come back to projects and move into Mexico here. But cover off just the basics of the cap structure today uh, for the audience in terms of the shares outstanding the cash on hand, which you touched on, and if you see a need to do a financing in the near term, which potentially on the back of some discovery work here, maybe that makes some sense. And then also just talk a little bit about the major shareholders, inclusive of the management team and board. Okay, so we've, Redis has got 100 million shares out. Our share price has fluctuated a bit lately because I'm in the middle of drilling and people have got excited. And so we've been up a bit and down a bit, um, but we've got 100 million shares issued another 15 in warrants and options and things like that so fully diluted uh, there's a 115 but some of those warrants uh, probably won't come in so around about 100 million shares out market capitalization today is around about 20 million as i said we're drilling right now so people are very interested in what's going on with the current drilling and in terms of management it's a small board and uh, Simon's probably better to talk about who the, the shareholders are because Simon formed the company and he's one of the biggest shareholders. I've got a reasonable shareholder myself, but Simon bought in most of the original shareholders. So you want to mention that, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I, I own about 19.9% of the company. There's a lot of other large shareholders that have been shareholders for a long time. You know, we've had a, we've had a number of successes with Radius over the years and, and many of them have you know, as, as we find gold deposits, sometimes it's small. So we've kept the company financed. Actually, we raised, we raised some money last year for the first time in about a decade. So we've, we've made a number of discoveries and sold those on to other companies and kept the company financed that way. Um, but I would say, you know, 60% of the issued capital is owned by, I wouldn't, you know, not insiders, but people that have worked and, and invested with me for many years. So about 40% of that, the rest just float within the public market. I should jump to Volcanic, because like I said, it's a joint venture partner on the, on the property. It's only going to 60% of the of Radius holdings in Guatemala. Volcanic's got 45 million shares out and about 4 million cash in the treasury. So that's just a breakdown of the two companies. Radius's cash position, Bruce, at the moment is? Yeah, 1.6 million, plus we've got some... Uh, about an additional million dollars in shares of other companies that we could liquidate at some time in the future. But we've got about 1.6 million, which is enough to uh, complete the current drill program I'm on and keep us alive for another year or, or two, if we're lucky, without raising money. We, we have a very low burn rate. Gold Group is, is a group that Simon formed and it provides you know, services to multiple companies um, Volcanic, Radius, Rackler, Fortuna. And by sharing the same office, same corporate secretary, same CFO, we've had the same corporate secretary for 30 years and CFO for 15, I think. So a very stable management structure and that keeps our costs low because we share it. Yeah. So um, our, our burn rate is low when we're not drilling. So with the cash on hand, we can complete the drilling that we're up to now in Mexico, and we can still have enough money to survive a, a year, possibly two. That's in the drilling. We'll, um, you know, we would then look to finance for a much bigger program. Obviously, you know, these are all early stage exploration holes. So on a, on a project that Bruce will touch on in a minute, but if we get some good success with this drilling, 
then then we would go to market and finance for obviously for a bigger program to establish the resource on the property. Bruce, thank you for that. Simon, thank you for those extra points there. Appreciate that. Simon, let's stay on you for a moment, and then I want to get into Mexico. Talk just briefly about some of the other folks at the company that you guys would like to mention, just as far as skills that they contribute and any other key folks, Simon, that you want to mention here. So right now, as Bruce mentioned, there's three companies in the Gold Group at the moment. There's uh, Volcanic, Radius, and, and a company called Rackler. In Volcanic in Guatemala, we've got Rodrigo Matias. Has, he's been working with me for 20 years plus. Together, we've found a number of mines, uh, San Martin mine in Honduras, Cerro Blanco mine in Guatemala, uh, Tambo mine in Guatemala. So we've been, we've had some good success together. And he's the geologist that's uh, made this discovery at Matagua Norte. But the VP of the company, Luke English, is a VPX. Luke has, has joined me about uh, six or eight months ago. He came from, he was working in Nicaragua with the immediate discovery there. And that, you know, that's gone into the development stage. So he was looking for something new. So he's now the VPX of, of Volcanic. I'm with the Rackler. Rackler is working up in the in the Yukon Territory, and I've got a, a, an excellent geo working running that. I mean, I've, my success is, over the years has been driven by employing the geos like Bruce that have driven to discover. You know, they're not they're academic, yes, but their their desire is to make discoveries, be it gold or silver or or, or whatever other mineral. But uh, they're driven. That's their desire in life is to make those discoveries, and those are the geos that have helped me be successful. Appreciate covering off some of those key people there, and that's always important to give the audience a flavor of who's there, what the focus is, and the incentives, and appreciate that. Bruce, why don't we talk Mexico now? And I'd like to have you do a couple things here with Mexico first, and that is to cover off the existing joint venture and earnings that are taking place in Mexico, because there's some notable partners that I think you should mention. And then what's the initial focus here? I'm assuming it's the Tropico project, but just talk about those things first. Yeah, so I've always been interested in Mexico because it's a mining nation and I like working places where, you know, communities are supportive. So I chose to come to Mexico because in general in Mexico, wherever you go, people love mining and, and that's why I like it. And so, and it's got phenomenal potential. So we started prospecting here about four or five years ago. Um, I've been working on and off for Simon for 25 years in different countries and different places. And, and, you know, a while ago we came back to Mexico, we started prospecting and we've, we made some discoveries and we think about, and the, the things that we find, you know, if I could have the money to drill everything I wanted, uh, you know, there'd be so much to drill, but we often don't have all the money we want. And so we take partners uh, and, a discovery we made uh, about four or five years ago was called Amalia, grassroots discovery. Rodrigo from Guatemala and I did that together and we got the project and and at that time Pan American came along and said that, you know, they were interested and wanted to fund it. So we did a joint venture with Pan American. We started drilling and we had phenomenal success. We we didn't hit on the first hole, but on hole number nine, we cut about 24 meters at nine grams gold and 300 and something silver. Um, hole 10 hit 34 meters at 12 grams gold and 300, again, silver. So some phenomenal drill holes. And with Pan American for the first three years, we had you know, great success. They were great partners. We advanced. And for example, the last hole that we drilled to was um, hole number 67. This was on the third major target. And hole 67 hit 10 meters true with 10 grams gold and 800 silver. So we have drilled three main targets. We've hit on them all. We've hit wide widths and high grades. And to me, it looks like a you know, a major discovery of mine and process. But unfortunately, we hit a road bump a little while ago, and that was that Pan American decided to merge with Yamana and the merging of two major mining companies, they, they basically stopped um, exploring. So by that stage, Pan American had earned a majority stake. It was a 65-35 joint venture, and they just sort of 
you know, said to me, well, we're merging these two mining companies. We've stopped exploration for a while, so you just have to be patient. We don't like that much at all, but I think it's a major discovery. It has size potential. It has grade. It is thick, wide, high grade, and we've hit it on multiple zones, and it's a huge project with a lot of targets left undrilled. We have you know, 10 targets that I could go and drill right now. Um, but we've just got to be patient with Pan American for the time being. Uh, we're looking for ways to accelerate that, but it's a, it's a great discovery. And, and Pan American is a big mining company, the largest, second largest silver mining company in the world. So I'm sure they're going to get their stuff sorted out soon and we'll go back to exploring that together. So that's Amalia. We found a, another project, highly unusual project called Plata Verde. Uh, again, a grassroots discovery. It was mined probably uh, during the 1800s and it was remote and, and obscure, but some, some extraordinary historic excavations in a pure silver project. And it's unusual in, in that we don't actually understand clearly what it is or where the source of the silver is. We just know that there's a lot of silver. And we were thinking about how to advance on that property. And Fresnia Mining Company came to me and said, uh, you know, we'd like to buy it off you. And I was surprised by that because I was actually in contact with Fresnia trying to buy one of their properties. And then they seemed so happy to talk to me. I didn't really understand it. But then I figured out, well, they want to buy Plata Verde. So Fresneo, for those who don't know, it is the world's biggest silver mining company. It, it comes from the historic Fresneo district, and we're just down the road drilling from Fresneo at the moment. The project that we discovered in Chihuahua called, um, called Plata Verde, we've done a, a joint venture, and Fresneo is, um, is planning to get drilling on that soon. They've been a bit delayed. They're a big company, but... They are the world's biggest silver mining company, so they don't take on projects unless they think there is that kind of potential. And that uh, that Plata Verde project is, uh, you know, geolo geologically wise, it's it's unusual. It is silver chlorides hosted, in, as I know, and it has no gold, no base metals, no nothing. It's just silver chlorides and basalts. But Fresneo obviously thinks that it has huge potential. Uh, we bought them on for partly because of their expertise in Mexico. And that project is due to be drilled, you know, by the contract they've got to give us in about six months, half a million dollars to start drilling. So that's another project we have that's funded. So we've got Guatemala that's funded by Volcanic. We've got Plata Verde in partnership with, uh, for those who don't know, I'm in, I'm on the drill site, <laughs> so I've got a main road beside me and a weak internet connection. So Pan American is our partners on Amalia, and Fresneo is our partner on Plata Verde, and they're the number one and the number two biggest silver producers in the world. So, you know, those big companies are not with us because they think they're going to find a small deposit. <clears throat> they're partnered on our projects because they think that those projects are uh, significant scale and potential. Meanwhile, I'm down here on a 100% owned property of radius called Tropico. That's where I'm drilling today. Simon, did you have anything you wanted to add there just as far as you know, how you see some of these projects? Because obviously you have a lot of background and experience in how these projects are shaping up and how you guys are funding those forward. But just priorities and some of your thoughts on the Mexico projects for the audience. Well, I think we've got two great joint ventures. I do think the, the Amalia is a great discovery. Um, unfortunately, I think, you know, I'll take some responsibility for not putting a clause in the contract that would force more activity than we're seeing at the moment. We have, they were great partners for the first two years, funded the drilling. Uh, we made a great discovery and it was going very well. And then with this uh, merger with, with Yamada, they, they seem to have, they haven't lost interest in the property. They've just, you know, a lot more things to prioritize. So they tell us that they, they're very keen to get back to work on the property, but unfortunately, I have, there's no trigger in the contract where I can force their hand at the moment. But um, we still have a good relationship, and we're hoping they'll get back to drilling quite soon. On the, on the Fresno, I think Bruce touched on it well. It's a, 
they're a great joint venture partner. Um, they're very keen on the project. Um, let's see what when 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 they fund they're going to fund in the next few months fund the drilling to start. They pushed a road in. They've made a lot of payments to the underlying property owners. They're very keen on the project, so I think that's a great joint venture. What I'm excited about is a, is a project that Bruce is sitting on at the moment. It's the Tropico that Bruce can tell us all about right now. So Tropico project is a, another grassroots discovery that we made. I was driving down the highway in central Mexico, and I had a point of interest on my GPS that I thought I should stop and have a look at, and I stopped um, 25 kilometers outside of Fresno city walked off the road and found a, a center and and a breccia body that was grading gold now for your listeners that don't, even i didn't really understand how big fresnia was right so fresnia is a city down the road from where i'm drilling and it has a mine called the fresnia mine and the mining company Fresneo Inc., which is listed on the London Stock Exchange as the world's biggest silver producer. And it's the world's biggest silver producer because of this mine. It's a group of mines, actually. They are the world's oldest constantly operating mines. They have been going 470 years, and nobody knows for sure, but the estimates are that they've produced over 4 billion ounces of silver already. And to get your head around 4 billion ounces of silver, that's equivalent to 57 million ounces of gold. And I've got a table in my computer somewhere that lists the top gold mines in the world. And the Fresnia would fall into being in the top 10 deposits of the world. There are not many deposits that are over 50 million ounces of gold. You know, Lahir in Papua New Guinea, the super pit in Kalgoorlie, Timmins together, you know, and, and Nevada. That's the scale of this thing. And, and down the road, Fresnia has been dominated for, you know, forever by the Fresnia Mining Company. There was a company called Max Silver that got in and grabbed a bit, and they found a sinter, which is a surface deposit of silica. They postulated that underneath that sinter that they would find a, you know, a deposit, and they drilled it, and they found one Ascipio which is part of the Fresnio system. It's now part of the Fresnio mining complex, and that is one of the highest grade, largest silver development projects in the world at this time. Now, centers are special things for us. They're a surface deposit of silica that is associated with epithermal systems, and they're usually barren. They usually don't have gold and silver. They usually point to where it might be. And Simon has had a great deal of success looking at sinters. You know, back in his early days, he found the San Martin deposit. I don't think Simon would admit to being a, a great geologist at that time. He was just a hard-out prospector and investor. And he made that discovery, the San Martin deposit in Honduras, and then Cerro Blanco in Guatemala. He found two mines and made his first fortune. And they were sitting underneath sinters. And so Simon got you know, the bug, the center bug, and sent me around the world for years looking at centers. We looked at a lot, of, and I, this one I found recently, and, and it has gold in it. I'm standing on the site, I can look out the window, and I can see the, the world's biggest silver complex down the road. And it's not just silver, Fresnio is polymetallic, it's silver dominant, but it has silver, gold, copper, lead, zinc. Uh, depth in particular goes base metal rich. But so we're just down the road from there. We have a large center, I mean, large breccia pipe center around the edges. And we just started drilling the other day. We're hitting lots of epithermal style veins. We don't have many assays in at the moment. It is very difficult drilling. We've got just the first hole assays back. And we, you know, the first hole uh, had to be abandoned at 50 meters because the drilling was difficult. But we got a 30 meter intercept at 0.34 gold. So, you know, we're in the right system. And to understand these systems, epithermals are vertically zoned. That means that, you know, underneath the center, the ideal place to find the mineralization is about 250 meters down. And if you go down the road to Fresnio, most of the mines are blind. They don't outcrop its surface. They all start at you know, 250 to 300 meters down. 
and we've just started drilling. It's mostly blind drilling. We've got some outcrop and some subcrop that shows the system and everything, but most of what we're doing is blind. And the early holes that I'm drilling now are just to understand the system, to figure out where the veins are, which way they dip, where they go. We're hitting multiple veins at this time. We know that there's gold in the system, so we're in a very good position to make a discovery. Talk about just what the plan is here going forward as you guys, you know, continue to progress each one of these projects, which there's a handful of, you know, maybe Simon, you can talk to this as well as as you guys start to advance and there's a potential good discovery that comes about. How do you guys see this in terms of the radius model? Is it something that you guys could potentially spin out into a separate company that advances that project further? Talk about the overall model and, and how you guys would either keep that value in-house or move that value into other companies at the reward of the radius shareholders as well. I can start that discussion and then pass it on to Bruce. But uh, so from the Guatemalan standpoint, I mean, it is not decided at this point, but I do think that um, at the end of the day, we always want to monetize these things. We're not, we're not a mining group. I did start with Hoi Genoso for the silver mines, and it was a fantastic experience, but we're an exploration group for the most part. So as the Guatemalan assets develop, I think at some point, uh, the radius would likely vend its interest in the projects for shares in volcanic so that we could monetize the volcanic itself, right? We put radius would take a controlling interest in volcanic. Um, we develop a project to the point where we would look to see if we could sell them on. That would be the, the likely future for volcanic. As far as the joint venture prospects go, uh, you know, we got to see how they develop. But the, at the present time with Amalia in Mexico, like I said, we're at a bit of a standstill. The deposits that have been found are very high grade. At the present time, I don't think the gold and silver that's been discovered is big enough for Pan American, but the system certainly is. So I think there's a lot more to be advanced there. And it's still, there's still a decision to be made by Pan American on whether they go to 75 or say 65%. That's a decision that, that they've been holding up on making while they do this prioritization of all the other assets that are required. On the Fresnio project, Bruce, I'll hand over to you on that. You know, it's a very early stage project that's got no drilling in it at all yet. So what do you see there? We're explorers. We find mines, right? So I don't think Simon's had the experience of building and developing a billion dollar mining company. And like he says, although that was a, you know, great time he probably doesn't want to do it again we want to monetize our assets so i joke around with the, the head of geology of fresno i talk to them frequently and they they're surprised that we came up with this um, target right in their backyard and i say well you can buy it off me you can buy it for a billion dollars once i've you know proven that there's a mine here and he says no 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 bruce it's too much i'll give you know 500 million but Jokes aside, that's the kind of transactions that we're, we want to do. We find mines. I have a small team here in Mexico. There's just five of us. We don't want to run a thousand-person mining company. We're five guys here and, and Simon up in Vancouver, and we find the projects and we develop them to a certain point, and then we monetize these assets. We've, in the last you know, 10, 15 years' worth, with Radius, it's found quite a few small deposits that have been able to keep the company functional without diluting our shareholders. So we haven't raised hardly any money in 10 years. So we're non-dilutive, but we haven't found that big one where we hit it out of the park and all the shareholders can cash in their shares for multiples. Of, and that's what we're after. Bruce, I appreciate that. Good points. How about just, Simon, your thoughts, Bruce, maybe you as well, just thoughts on Mexico here. You know, we've seen some changes with respect to regulation on mining and exploration. Just talk briefly about that and your thoughts on how you guys see that. And obviously your comfort level dealing with Mexico in light of some of those changes that are coming about. Yeah, well, it's it's been a mining country for, for 500 years. I just don't see that changing. I mean, there are some obstacles being thrown in the way. Uh, some new laws have been proposed. I think they'll be thrown out by the Supreme Court, personally. I just don't see the, the changes that have been proposed make any sense, but um, time will tell. The current government of AMLO is, or the Morena Party, 
is due to, well, AMLO is certainly gone within the next six months, and the party may be too, and they've proposed some unworkable law, uh, but they've proposed several unworkable laws in, in Mexico, constitutional reforms on electoral reform and energetic reform and military reform and mining reform, and all of those reforms so far, the three major ones have been rejected by the Supreme Court. So it's likely that given how the new mining law was enacted, that it too will be rejected by the Supreme Court, and it's in the Supreme Court at the moment. But like Simon says, and I said just before, that the Fresnel mine down the road from me has been going 470 years. It's survived hundreds of governments and will do so. I'm in the middle of one of the world's great mining districts. You can hear the trucks and cars passing by, and you know half of them are mining vehicles. There's the Pan Americans, La Colorado Scan, just up the road. There's there's a dozen Penasquito is is not too far from here. There are dozens of giant mines, and the current government is not going to destroy that gives short-term uncertainty for sure. Some investors don't like it, but positive on my point of view is we have absolute support from our communities. You know, we're in a local community here. We live in Baluarte while we're drilling and everybody is favorable. We don't have any worries about community and, and that's a great thing. That's why I'm here. And I don't believe the current Mexican laws proposed by AMLO are going to come into effect, and I don't think that you can change 500 years of mining history that fast. Bruce, those are good insights, and I appreciate that. And yeah, guys, look, I mean, the bottom line of it is, is nobody likes to admit it, but the fact is, is mining natural resource development in a responsible fashion is a huge wealth generator. It doesn't matter where you are on the life cycle of a nation, yeah. developing or otherwise. Yeah. Mining is huge. That's a huge backbone. And to be against it is to be against the smartphone in your hand, the computer in your hand, and all the other things you probably utilize, electric vehicles, internal combustion engine, doesn't matter. It's generally coming from the ground for the most part. So I appreciate those insights. Just as a few other things here, guys, as we wrap up overall awareness activities for the group of companies and also, of course, for Radius. You know, as we go down the road here, you know, Simon, maybe over the next year, we know that the gold market is tough and really the junior natural resource market is quite tough. But just talk about overall awareness activities you guys plan to maybe get some more word out about the companies. And then, of course, we know good news flow with real results are going to be really key. So just talk about how you guys see an awareness to the investor audience. Let's start with Guatemala. I mean, we have. Two, pro- two major projects there now is, um, you know, the Holly, the Holly Discovery, which is 400,000 ounces at nine grams, which is close to the Cerro Blanco deposit. Now, you know, the, uh, the Cerro Blanco is discovered in, you know, a team run by me in, back in 1998, and it's still sitting there at the moment. It's a very attractive deposit, 3 million ounces open pitable or 1.4 million ounces at 10 grams underground. The underground is permitted. Sometime in the near future, somebody will take that on and develop it. The group that had it, the London group, have decided they wanted to want to sell it. When that transaction happens, that will be very attractive for Holly because we're about 60 kilometers away. The Holly is, as I said, 400,000 ounces at nine grams. It's still open. I just upheld up drilling it until I see development at Cerro Blanco. We do see my burn with there until I see that project under development. So we'll focus on the Motagua Norte for now and see how good that discovery is. I'm very excited by it. I think it's going to be sizable. Let's get the drill permit in place and get working on that. And that'll help both companies, radius and volcanic. Like I said, if we if we get some good success in the drilling of Tropico, we'll probably go to the market to finance so we can do a much bigger program. That's right. So we're drilling now. Results will start to trickle in in the coming months. I'm looking at the call today, about to finish this call and go and set up the next drill hole. We're on hole number five uh, and you know to give you an idea we didn't discover Amalia till hole nine I just had a consultant geologist here who helped with Visla's discovery at Panuco and he told me that you know they were drilling visible veins on surface that were historically mined and it took them to hole 27 till they made the discovery and we're you know just wrapping up holes three and four at the moment here. 
So we've got a long way to go to keep drilling. Uh, we're already seeing very interesting stuff, and that will be the main driver in the short term for radius. We'll get some results out, and if they're as good as we hope, then we'll probably go to the market and raise some more money to keep drilling. If not, we still have multiple projects, and we're hardcore explorationists. We never stop looking. I've got five projects here that are currently under review that we're looking at locally and nationally in Mexico. And always I've got a plan B. I'm constantly looking for new projects. We've got projects under review all the time. We tend to make a new discovery every year or two and announce it. So we've got the money to do so, and, and that's what we'll do. Well, guys, let's leave it there for now. I think we've got a good flavor for an introduction of the companies and the plans and what you guys see coming down the pipe here. Lots of things happening for potential investors who are listening in. The company has a market capitalization of about 20 million Canadian dollars. Why should investors consider Radius Gold at this stage for the company and also this point in the cycle? I'll take that on. Make multiple projects, um, multiple discoveries that have been made. You know, Guatemala, Amalia, Fresno, the joint venture with Fresno. Importantly, the project of Bruce is drilling at the moment, Tropical, which is in a very exciting district. Major discoveries have been made within 40 kilometers of where Bruce is, and we, I think we're on a great target there. You've got multiple reasons why, the, even if we miss a Tropical or miss a Guatemala, there's little downside in the company because of the other joint ventures we have. So anytime we can have a great upside, with limited downside, it's a good place to put your money. Bruce, any final comments? Yeah, well, I agree with Simon in that people who usually invest in junior gold stocks are looking for that 10 times uh, market capitalization. And we definitely have that potential. But most companies, if you drill and you miss, you're in trouble. But, you know, if we drill and we, we hit, we've got that huge upside. But if we drill and we miss, we've still got multiple projects. We'll be going on to drill the next one, or Pan American or Fresnel will be drilling it for us. So there's very little downside. So that's the final kind of message I'd like to give. If you're interested in junior gold stocks and big upside, we have the potential for that, and we're drilling now. Simon, what's the best way for folks to reach out to the company? You know, obviously, the radiusgold.com is a good way to look up or direct to the office here, 604-801-5432. Talk to myself or the investor relations. Get an update on either company, Volcanic or Radius. Well, Simon, Bruce, really appreciate you guys taking the time to introduce Radius Gold to us and all the activities you guys have going, as well as uh, sister company, Volcanic, and the work that they have going here. Best of luck. Keep up the work, and we'll be back in touch soon. Thank you. Well, thank you for the invite to be on the show, Andrew. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Andrew. Really enjoyed your time and talk and look forward to filling you in next time when we've got some more results.